This is episode 20 of Material Podcast, hosted on the Relay FM network. I'm one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian, and joining me, my two wonderful co-hosts, Pocket Cast app developer, Russell Ivanovich, and sometimes tech columnist, Andy Anako. Welcome, guys. Hi, guys. Do you miss me? <laughs> the listeners did, I'll tell you that. <laughs> we did. So I was, I, I, let, me, let me just say, I've, I was at a conference all last week. There are two problems. Number one, I wasn't sure where I would be like when we record on Tuesday. And also, keep in mind that last week was the beginning or the end of daylight savings time in the United <laughs> States. Plus, we have Russell in Australia with a may or may not be doing daylight savings time. And then Yasmin is in one of those, you know, hey, just because we're an American state doesn't mean that you can tell us what to do with our clocks, America. And so I, I kind of felt it, it was legitimately I didn't know where I would be on Tuesday night. But I thought maybe I should just let these guys record and then they could tell me what time it is when they record. And so now I know that it's 6 p.m. on Eastern time. I will be ready to record this i'm i'm the constant i never change it, it, it is good to have you back though andy i will say that there was a quite a few listeners that reached out and uh, expressed their concern for what you know yasmin might have done to you push you down some stairs or yeah. it was there he was a coup many, and an overthrow too many things about apple i i really want to apologize for that um <laughs> Like I think Russell has mentioned before that sometimes we have conversations prior to recording and then they never like how to throw really me out of my own podcast? podcast. Is that one of the things you talk about? <laughs> no, that's the pre-recording recording. <laughs> that's the pre-pre-recording. And so sometimes you forget to mention that. And I really just dropped the ball in mentioning that Andy uh, was just out traveling, um, you know, and so he wasn't able to join us. So <laughs> I think my favorite uh, m- Twitter uh, message was like, when I when I said the I sent an apology saying, Hey, Andy Nako is still very much part of the team, you know, he's not gone. I'm sorry. And someone said, Phew, I was uh, you know, up up all night polishing my silver, my family's silver. <laughs> just because he was uh, under so much stress that you were not gonna be well, here. I'm just glad because Andy is here, he's here to stay, everyone. Uh, of, of, of course, <laughs> of, of course I follow the official uh, material podcast Twitter account and all your accounts. And so I was seeing some of these like alarmist sort of things, and I'm like it's going to be very, very instructional if we hear, oh, thank God. I'm glad that as the show matures, you found out who the Deadwood was. And I'm, I'm, so thank you, listeners, for not, you know, it, for, for thinking that, but not putting that thought in a place where it could make me upset just a few days while, while I was 3,000 miles from home and away from my big stuffed dog. Oh, we, we have the nicest <laughs> listeners. And I, I should also say, um, in related news, they, a lot of them wrote to us about LastPass. So last episode, we talked about. Um, Google imprint support. So we talked about, you know, on the Nexus 6P, you've got this fancy new uh, fingerprint reader. You've got it on the 5X as well. But there's not a lot of apps that um, take advantage of it. It turns out LastPass is one of those apps. So it's a it's a password management app. Um, by all accounts, it's pretty good. Like I don't use it personally, but I've heard really good things about it. And apparently you can unlock it with your finger, which is uh, the future of everything, if you ask me. And we also got some really adorable feedback um, it was one of our listeners sent us uh, this video of his daughter, or I'm not sure if it's his daughter. It's a, it's a, some little girl, and she's dancing to the intro music of our podcast, and it is the sweetest <laughs> thing. And so she's boogieing around, she's like dancing, and then it gets into the intro where I'm saying, you know, welcome to material, and she stops and goes, ooh, I like this one, the talking. <laughs> 
And I was just, oh, I, it made my night. So thank you, listener, for saying that. Um, she's our she's, she's our youngest fan. Uh, when I responded back saying, oh, my gosh, like, thank you. It just made my day for you to say that. And uh, he said she especially loves the funny lady. So hi, little girl. The funny lady says hi. <laughs> or is she making a comment about the pitch of my voice or Russell's voice? <laughs> she loves the funny lady from Australia is the bit that she left out. Yes, yeah, exactly. The one that exactly. talks like a kangaroo. She's hilarious. It's one of the wiggles, mommy. <laughs> Fruit salad. <laughs> yummy, yummy. Fruit salad. <laughs> yummy, yummy. I work in daycare, yes. <laughs> so the, the last interesting thing that um, came from a previous show is that the New York Times um, launched their cardboard thing that we talked about a few episodes back. So we were talking about you know them bundling cardboard um, with the actual paper, and it went live. And by all accounts, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, there's something about getting something free, not just well, not just getting it free, but getting it on a Sunday <laughs> when you're probably not going to be leaving the house. You're probably looking for an excuse to just screw around with something fun. And when you have a 3D viewer that you just drop your phone into, that's a good excuse to cancel brunch, even if you are a New York Times subscriber. <laughs> I could just see all these people at their coffee tables. You know, they've got the they've got the coffee, they've got their toast there, and they've just got this cardboard on their face, and they're looking around. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Breakfast from many lands here, right on my own foyer. Gerald, you you must come I, I look it, at it, this, Gerald. Yeah, have I mean, a look. It's amazing. another company that is uh tapping into this vr you know storytelling is uh toms and they they sell shoes and other um accessories but their whole business is built upon like if you buy a pair of shoes they give to a a pair of shoes to another child in need in a different country and so they actually did this with the gear vr but they did the the giving process, the actual process of like when the child gets their pair of shoes, when Tom sends their people to go do that. Um, and so they have them throughout their stores where you can put them on your head and kind of see and be a part of that experience. Um, and they were saying that, you know, some some people were crying because they were seeing it and they were just so excited to see like the outcome of buying that shoe and that one for one thing. So um, I'm really interested to see where people take this and I'm excited where VR leads and what that can mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited as well, but I, I don't want any more pairs of shoes, please. This, Australia is not actually a third world country. It's a dangerous country, but we're not the third world. No, yeah, no more this shoes. Is, this is just great stuff for uh, – what, what brilliant stuff for, for Google because now they're giving everybody their first experience with VR. And so not only that, but now they're sort of like their own like VR ambassadors – because now they have friends who they can like when they're over at the house they can try out the the Google cardboard. Not 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 only that, but you see people like on Instagram. They get this weird thing in the mail. They fold into a box and they have to put it on their heads. And it being 2015, once you put something silly on your head, you have to po- photograph yourself with it and then post it on Instagram. And so now like everybody knows somebody who has Google cardboard. And if it means that people are sort of starting to think of Google as the VR company and as cardboard as this really, really great standard. And then they find out it costs like all of twelve to fifteen dollars. You know, like you know, most people can get their hands on twelve to fifteen dollars and they already own a phone. So this even if you're not a New York Times subscriber, that's this is a pretty cool thing for anybody who's interested in VR technology. Now, do you have to be a subscriber to get the the download like the app uh actually i don't know i I know i know you had to be a print subscriber to in order to get the free cardboard i wouldn't be surprised if you have to be some sort of a consumer of 
subscription New York Times content to get it. Uh, I'm actually, I am a NewYorkTimes.com subscriber, so I want to see if it's going to show me any sort of this content. Because I knew you could rec- you could request one if you were an online subscriber and you didn't receive it in the mail. I guess they were going to give some away, but I'm curious how the app works. Maybe, maybe I'm riffraff because it's not mentioning that. <laughs> Thank you for giving us $15 a month, but that doesn't mean squat to us. are <laughs> the most professional journalist <laughs> in the world, sir. That's not going to be enough. Our ad trackers indicate that you still own a car that's 11 years old and you have no intention of buying another and that guest room bathroom needs plumbing repairs for the past six months that you've never gotten around to. Clearly, our outreach to you kind of reader is not our top priority. <laughs> nope, I don't see it. So the, the last thing that our listeners got um, super excited about was the Nexus 6P. So the, the race finally concluded. I won. Woohoo! Well, I guess Andy won, but Yay. whatever. <laughs> yeah. But what, what are your impressions, I guess, for you, Andy, two weeks in and for you, Yasmin, and I one week in, like in terms of you know, battery life, other things that you don't really get on, on day one? Any thoughts on those? So one of the fun tools that I've been playing with is the slow-mo ca- uh, capture on the video on the, on the 6P. Um, and the 5X has it, so I was playing with that earlier with my husband's 5X. And it is super fun just to do random things like asking people to jump um, off stairs just so you can capture it in slow-mo. <laughs> Wait, were these people Andy? And were you asking them by pushing them in the back? Uh, speaking, <laughs> so, I... I <laughs> So I actually did this, me and my brother-in-law did this, and then I was thinking as I'm saying it out loud, like how we talked about pushing Andy downstairs, and I was like, <laughs> I shouldn't be sharing this story. <laughs> um, no, but I was doing some slow-mo. Of, I was on a longboard, and I decided to do some slow-mo, and I was like, oh, this would be kind of something fun to capture. Well, the the way that Photos uh, app works is that you can capture this in slow-mo, and, it ca- and in order for you to like export that video... It only exports the whole thing in slow-mo, which just looks like I'm riding the longboard really, really, really (laughs) slow. So it's actually not that cool of a video. But within the Photos app, you can edit which parts are slow and which parts are fast. So I took some time and I was like in the Photos app and I was editing a segment. And I was like, oh, that part looks really cool. Like when I'm when I'm pedaling or not pedaling, but I'm like pushing, I can get um, that part really slow. And then once when I actually speed up, I'll speed that up the video. And I got it to work and I was like, this looks awesome. And then I went to export it and upload it to Twitter. And of course, it's just the whole entire thing in slow-mo. So then I had to use a screen recorder because I had already spent so much <laughs> time getting it perfect that I needed to share it to the world and there I finally did it so um, I was I was wondering who would find out that you know you can't really do this in the photos app and one of our uh, one of my the listeners was like how did you do that I can only get it to export everything in slow-mo and I was just laughing I was like yeah I had to do that in a screen recording um, so that was so that's annoying I don't know why you can't you can edit it in the photos you can, just can't ex- export that edit so I'm hoping that's a change that's coming uh, but the slow-mo camera still having a lot of fun with it and I'm on Project Fi, um, so it's been a week or more or so on Project Fi. Haven't run into any issues, um, so that's been really neat. And I'm excited when the month's over to kind of see how much money I saved on uh, on the cost of everything. So, and love the battery life. Um, I think like <laughs> the first day I got it, and I didn't charge it at all at work. And then I came home, and like I think it was like around. 30% or 40, even 40% when I was at home, like going to go to bed. And I was like, wow, that, 
That is unspeakable. Like, this is <laughs> awesome. Can, I found with mine, you can leave it on your desk with a SIM card in it um, for four hours and then you pick it up and you're like, oh, still charged. It's a brave yeah, new world. That's, that's <laughs> it's, uh, I think we talked a little bit earlier that I'm kind of navigating the question, should I switch back to iPhone, at least as my phone, you know, uh, OS, because it's been a it's been a, a good summer with it. Uh, now that I've wrapped up my uh, my uh, Apple Watch stuff, and oh boy, like the six P, even the five X, they're those are two phones that any com- most of the complaints that I might have had about uh, Android that might have prevented me from switching back, they solved it. And it's really uh, lots of little things, but the big things are uh, the fingerprint recognition and just unlocking and being able to do payments and stuff uh, just with a fingerprint. But it's just this idea that, as you say, Russell, I put it down. <laughs> it senses that maybe it doesn't need to update every single app every 30 seconds. We, uh, I, You've heard my rant before on this very <laughs> show about how I don't want to have to take something off the charger at 11 and then be at zero battery at four even though it was just only it was just in my pocket all day doing nothing (laughs) yeah and it was it was like it it was it was almost freaky it was almost like a hover having a hoverboard (laughs) like i'm I'm just not used to android devices like i've got i've got this uh, it's not like i was uh, i didn't really start using it like 24 uh, 24 7 until like the the, later on the week the first week i had it and charged it up when i got out of the box and set it up and then just unplugged it and put it like on my desk or something and forgot about it and it was just it almost freaked me out when i picked it up three days later and it still had like pretty much 100 percent battery and so i'm just really happy with it yeah me too i gotta tell you one other really small but um cool thing i had a trip to melbourne um last thursday and i obviously had this phone and i have a laptop that also charges via USB-C. and i had a revelation i'm like wait a minute i only have to take one charger so i took my my macbook with me with its um usb charging cable it charges both the laptop and the phone and i discovered something really cool so if you plug your phone directly into your laptop so USB-C to USB-C. Android actually gives you the choice. Do you want to receive charge yeah. from this device or do you actually want to charge this device? So I had, I had this giggly little moment where I'm actually charging my laptop from my phone and I'm like, it's the future. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I'm, uh, we're, this is, as we record this week, we're probably about certainly less than 12 hours, maybe less than five hours or six hours away from the iPad Pro like going on sale, at least for, for pre-orders. And... It's, it uses Apple's like proprietary lightning adapter, and I'm like, oh man, if that thing had USB-C, this is this is where we start to see the payoff of this Frico, <laughs> Frico connector because it's it's this 13 inch tablet, and knowing Apple's design, it is nothing but battery inside there, and the the knowledge that if I've got my iPad Pro with me, I can pretty much jumpstart my car off of it <laughs> so long as I have a USB. <laughs> It's, it's just too because if, if it was a USB C connector, oh boy, uh, the the ability to ch- to choose the flow of electrons, the flexibility that when you plug a device into USB C and it asks you, I can do a lot of things with this port. Just tell me which of these five options you'd like. Um, it's pretty damn exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, darn. No, I shouldn't even say darn. Now that I know we have little chil- small children, golly, is that exciting? <laughs> it's pretty golly gosh, exciting. <laughs> I will say because your first reaction is um, I, I did. Sorry, when I, did I feel see like I've too. had gumdrops for breakfast. I'm so excited. 
I know you're joking, but like when I did read that first tweet, I was thinking, oh no, did I say anything that I wouldn't want to, like my daughter to hear? Like <laughs> a bad Australian man sometimes says those bad words. Just just ignore him. See, that's why I, I hope she. That we if we whatever if we had a PG or PG thirteen uh, rated podcast before Marshmallow was released and these new Nexus phones were released, we can easily get it down to PG or G now. <laughs> I think we should. Uh, I I wonder if she just likes all the treats we talking about. Like, oh, that podcast about marshmallows and lollipops. Daddy, I, I want love another it. one. Oh. <laughs> so, speaking of Andy, you did mention Android Wear. Have you seen the net? The new Tag Hur, Tag Hoya, Tag. I don't know. see. We're, we're, we're we we are. I've I've <laughs> spoken about the the tag the tag Hoy Hoy watch <laughs> elsewhere, and it, it made me realize that if you don't know how to pronounce that brand then they're clearly not marketing towards you so if you so the people who don't understand the idea of this $1500 android wear watch that has no heart rate sensor that comes with a rubber band another super expensive smartwatch that doesn't come with like a metal or a leather band rubber 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 it's it's i mean it's, it's titanium it's a it's a tag design it's. I mean, it looks nice. Of course, it comes with a custom tag uh, dial that I'm guessing you, you won't be able to get elsewhere. Um, the most interesting thing about it, and I don't know whether this is a vote of confidence or weakness on Tag's part, is that it's a $1,500 watch. And within two years, if you want, you can send it back and they will give you $1,500 uh, of credit towards like a analog uh, uh, a Carrera watch. And that's either saying that we know that you don't want this, we know that you're going to get sick of this, we know you're going to regret this purchase, or they're, or they're doing something that's a lot better than Apple's doing, saying, look, we're not going to pretend that any tech gadget is going to be worth squat, more than, it, more than the metal it's made out of after a couple of years. So because we want to encourage you to try this out, we will make sure you know that it's going to be a zero-cost possibility that in one year two years minus one day when you know that we're probably about a week out of introducing the new version that has gps built in and and gsm and uh, and i don't know heart rate sensor if if we, <laughs> if we still have if, if we can understand the concept of a heart rate sensor on a wearable device in two years you'll get you'll get your money I, back. i have a feeling that it's, if you can afford a tag you can probably afford someone to exercise for you why, why would you do that yourself yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they were. This is a way to like convince people to, hey, just trust us on this. And, uh, you know, if you absolutely hate it within two years, we'll give you your money back type thing. Um, but it almost feels like the first point you made, Andy, of saying, eh, you, you probably won't like it. So uh, here, you know, take, yeah. <laughs> buy the, an we'll get, you'll get the analog watch instead. I, I was speaking to a friend of mine about it today, and uh, he's a collector. He's a watch collector. He's the, he owns like $2,000 watches. And he was, uh, we were discussing alternate solutions that Tag could have pursued, like uh, given that they sell all these watches that cost thousands of dollars, what if they simply said, we have a new edition of the Carrera, cost $3,000, and you also get this Android Wear watch that we've designed and built to complement it specifically. It's a lot more rugged than your $3,000 analog watch. It has weatherproofing. It's certainly not it's, – it's designed to pursue our, dig, our new digital form of elegance, and we think it makes a wonderful companion piece. I don't know whether that would have been super, super smart, 
or whether it would have been like saying, eh, we give you a free watch. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like our version of the Swatch, only it has our logo on it. We found, we found, we went on Alibaba.com <laughs> and we found this place that sells 5,000 of these plastic watch cases. And <laughs> Well, we, we look forward to your review, Andy, when you, uh, you go out and grab one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I think they know again how old my car is. I don't think that they're. I don't think that I'm high on the list of people to get review units. It's. I mean, it's a nice looking watch. Yeah, it does look nice. But you know, it's yeah. But for fifteen hundred, I wouldn't buy yeah. it. It's definitely. It definitely has that aesthetic that I think a lot of men like in watches. Um, for my type of style, it's not my my style. So. I'm just gonna pass, you know. I, I, I would much rather much rather have like a eighty dollar Casio, and then like a, a, a sport coat that's like papered with hundred dollar bills or twenty dollar bills to make up the balance. I think that will make me far more interesting and far more uh, far more attractive. <laughs> so, speaking of interesting things, I did also notice um, a new feature that launched before we managed to record last week's podcast um, because we had to record a little bit early. Is that your mail can now respond to itself? So you you get you get a mail in inbox or um, Gmail, and these little suggestions come up down the bottom. It's like, hey, we've passed the message. We can kind of figure out what's in here. Do you want to say, you know, one of these three things? Have, have either of you tried that? Yeah. So I had it. Um, I appear. I forget what email it was, but it gave me like three different options that I could select for replying back, and I thought that was pretty awesome. And I was like, ooh. This is not what I would say, but I kind of want to make it say that because it's an option. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible suggestions. It was just not what I was going to respond with. Um, but uh, it, it actually it pulled information from the email that made sense. Like those were all plausible uh, responses that I would have given. Um, so it was really neat to see that. Like, oh, I just love this whole, uh, pro- you know. Google is trying to think for you. I guess I don't, maybe I shouldn't say that, but it's like Google's trying to make your life easier and they have so much data and they can help with that. And so that stuff gets me excited. I know it creeps a lot of people out, but that's the stuff I like. Gosh. I, I, liked it, I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, the coverage that other blogs have been writing about is, okay, let's make fun of like what a, what, what a computer would automatically reply to, uh, you know, your 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 cousin that you don't really like who's trying always kind of trying to get you involved in a real estate I don't know whatever the joke the, the jokes sort of write themselves but when I uh, <laughs> downloaded the you get it the feature in the new version of Inbox and the first time uh, it uh, that I opened a, a mail with it I actually liked it it was a, a again just came back from a conference and here's an email from someone I met saying hey it was nice meeting you and here's my contact information and now it's giving me three options one is it was great meeting you too the second one is it was a pleasure meeting you as well and the third is I'm glad you liked it and let's see okay he said he said he said actually he said something nice about uh, my talk so it's so it's not as though it's it's not as though you're going to have a whole conversation this way but if you can imagine especially on a handheld device uh, someone asking you a question for which for which there was a predictable set of answers, and being able to simply tap this response and then tap and then tap another button to send it, and you're on your way. Uh, it's a really interesting, really interesting addition, and it also it seems as though uh, uh, Google is c- continues to look for places to show off its deep learning technology. That um, 
I think that all smart companies try to figure out what it is that they can offer that absolutely no one else can. It's hard for like PC manufacturers to make the case that, well, we have a laptop that runs Windows 10. Well, there are 100 laptops that run Windows 10. Why should I buy yours? Um, it's same thing is true with Google, and they seem to be saying there are a lot of companies. There are now a few companies that do search. There is a, there are a couple companies. Apple wants to be your Maps. We are saying that we are only we are now the only company with the sort of technology that can really understand. Is not only collecting and seeing a lot of information. We're the only company that has the technology to make sense of that information and redeploy that knowledge in a way that's going to make your life easier. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Andy. And it's interesting, um, just this week, some news came out that um, Google's actually open-sourced a large portion of that machine learning. So they have this thing internally called um, TensorFlow, which is apparently a project they've been working on for a while that um, is the core of you know things like Google Photo Search, uh, also powers the, the mail auto-reply thing that we we're talking about. And it's it's interesting to me that this is, you know, this is like you said, this is one of the things that Google is saying, hey, we are much better at this than than most other companies, if not um, all other companies. And here's a large um, portion of it that's open source. So apparently it's the entire you know, machine learning engine minus the bits that allow it to run you know, on 200 or 400 servers across huge data centers. So if you wanted to do that part, you'd still have to write it yourself. But the license is apparently you know, really open. It's the Apache 2 license, which mm-hmm. a lot of people seem to like. And it, it's interesting. I mean, why, why do you think that open source something you know, that core and that critical to to their company a lot of things i think i think it goes to the character of the company i think that they have are they were formed as a bunch of grad students a bunch of university people's uh research project and i think that that spirit tends to infuse everything that uh, the management decides is a really good idea like is this just a really good research project and is, is there a way that we can make this into a really, really good demo? That's why they do Google Glass as opposed to a really good consumer – finding a way to do this as a consumer product. And so I think it's really – they've got all this really great research and they their instinct is that you share your research and you show off what you've done. Um, they've done this before with a, sort of a precursor to TensorFlow and it quickly became one of the standard uh, data analysis tools. Uh, you're right that this doesn't – it doesn't give away one of their big advantages because it's a lot like uh, them uh, open sourcing TensorFlow is a little like uh, open sourcing the design of your DeLorean time machine, knowing that nobody else can get their hands on one point <laughs> gigawatts of power. Uh, it's it's uh, but it's uh, the also there's a lot of stuff that uh, is that the the version that they use inside Google is is custom code for their hardware and the the way that they do things it's sort of a, a code base and a set of, and a toolkit so that if you're a researcher and you have a big pile of data that you want to uh uh you you want to write an AI that figures something out based on that data you can just write the parts that are unique to your data set and unique to your goals because there's enough in TensorFlow that you don't have to start doing three or four years worth of computer science in order to develop the underlying stuff. Uh, and the other thing is that um, I know about these standards only, or obviously, only in a, in a surface way. But it's a little uh, – it, it was part of it where if if the AI community adopts TensorFlow as a standard – uh, a couple of good things happen for Google. For one thing, you're building this whole 
a culture of people who understand how these algorithms work and know how to optimize for it. And that increases the talent pool of people who can build more Google products for them, either uh, as future employees or just as people who are going to write stuff that works, plays nicely with Google stuff. Uh, and also it's, it's, you want to open source something like that for the same reason why you want to uh, open source crypto. You want to see you, you there's limits to how, well, you can how hard you can hammer against this internally. You need to release it to other researchers who are going to not only bring their own ideas for, to it and help you to make it into a better package, but also to find the flaws in it. Uh, because there are always going to be people that have this, you know, the, the, just if they learned calculus in high school using a different technique than most people learn calculus, and their foundation, their foundational understanding of all math is a little bit different. They're the ones that are going to see that one nail that's sort of sticking up a little bit uh, and let you hammer it down. Yeah, and I think the academic world, um, you know, from what I've seen of it, loves that sort of thing. They they love looking at things and, you know, finding things that they can improve or things that are wrong. There's there's a lot of, uh, you know, one one upmanship that goes into to that sort of thing. So I think that's that's smart. And I think the other interesting thing is when you do go open source, there's a few ways to do it. So you can just put it out into the entire community and say, you know, go for your life. There's no, nothing driving this project. Take it wherever you want. Fork it as many times as you want. Um, you can set up a foundation, which is, you know, often like the Mozilla Foundation and things like that, that drives the open source project. In this case, um, Google's chosen the third way, which is where the company that open sources it continues to run it. That still means you can do whatever you want you know, in terms of forking the code base, you can make another version of it, you can pull bits out of it, um, you can try and contribute to it. But the interesting part of that is it means your code doesn't go into, you know, the core project unless it's actually approved by Google. So they're still maintaining a decent amount of, you know, control over what, you know, the actual project looks like, you know, their version of it anyway. Is that how Android is currently set up? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I would assume so. I might have to... um. Because they would still maintain it, yeah. I'm just excited to see what other uh, companies think up and do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 powering so much cool stuff uh, at Google. We're su we're suddenly seeing like uh, a lot of the really interesting demos and announcements that have come out of Google over the past three four years are you're, we're actually realized now that we're seeing dem demos of TensorFlow. They did a uh, a couple of years ago. They had a a blog post and a demo where they had taught a computer how to recognize cats in YouTube videos. And uh, you look back on how, again, again another, another one of those press releases that the jokes write themselves. <laughs> if, you're, if you're writing for a tech blog and you have to come up with at least 400 words every 83 minutes, there you go. You, 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 you got the, the next 62 minutes off. But uh, just the idea that it's such an ambitious project where all it had it was non-directed learning it wasn't the teaching a, a, it wasn't teaching a computer what uh, what a cat looks like it was here are a couple of million pictures find something interesting in all these pictures and it has to look at all of them has to see where where the edges are where the shapes are suddenly decide gee there must be there's something about this collection of pixels that seems interesting amongst these and then it teaches itself what a cat looks like and how can identify a cat in every single picture uh, and when you talk about all the data that's being transacted and the ability to something as simple as what is the context of this message uh, we're right now we're seeing a practical thing where it will pop out a few likely responses, but imagine one that based on 
observing how you and how millions and millions and millions and millions of Gmail users read their email, being able to figure out what mail is important to you and what isn't. And it would go far beyond the, the, the people, uh, this email sender, their email gets clicked on more often than these other people. It's no, sometimes you don't want to see an email forwarded by your brother uh, about <laughs> a lumber conspiracy to make sure that only no furniture grade pine ever gets shipped to the Northeast. But if it's about your mom, it's about your dad, or if it seems to be of substance, I can figure that out and make sure that gets to your, it's, 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 it's great stuff. It could, it could be like Wi-Fi only for, for AI. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this uh, could mean for those that are like visually impaired. So imagine if there was some form of kind of like Google Glass or something of that nature, but you would have it audibly, um, you know, or in your going into your ear. And if you're visually impaired, you're able to use that technology to kind of see around you and it could describe what was around you. And it would just, I don't know if that would be more helpful to kind of be able to see uh, um, and experience that. So I'm I'm super excited that they open sourced it and that other people are going to be able to take take use of that. Yeah, I mean the the other interesting thing is uh, as a programmer, you know, I look at something like this and I think oh, I have no idea how to program, you know, um artificial intelligence. Like it's 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 another sort of field <laughs> entirely, but I am fascinated um so my my sister works a little bit in this in this sort of field and you know, she sometimes asks me questions. She's like, "All right, if you had to detail um, every single reason that you call a cat a cat, like what, what would those reasons be? And I, you, you sit down and you think about it, you're like, well, a cat has four legs and it's furry and it's got pointy ears. But when you sit down and you, you put all that down on a piece of paper, you realise that there's so many other things in a picture that potentially have all those same attributes. Like, you know, just because something has four legs and it's furry doesn't mean it's a cat. And the actual way that your brain... Um, is taught to analyze all those signals and, and identify objects is, is really complex. And if we can start to to get to that from a machine learning point of view, I think that's super exciting. And I think I also want it for a really, really um, selfish reason that I'm going to share with you both. So recently I've been interacting with, um, you know, some people where, you know, they're fairly high up in companies and they don't, they don't read their own email. So they have like a, a person who one or two people that read the email and pass on, you know, bits that they think are important, you know, discard the bits that aren't important and then process, you know, they say, hey, look, this is important, what do you want to say? And then, you know, they deal with the backwards and forwards and then there's another person who does, you know, the scheduling for that that person as well. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, I'm in a small company, I can't really afford, you know, a person to read my email and a person to manage my scheduling. But imagine if we could get to a point and I think we're almost there where a computer could do that for you. It could be just like Andy was saying, here's the, the top three emails I think you'd be interested in here's some suggested responses here's some calendar entries you know i've created here's some things i've, I've moved around you know i've moved you two o'clock to four o'clock is is that all right and i'm starting to think wow that's that's almost achievable i could almost be one of these high level executives you know minus the uh, the paying two staff and i think now on tap is trying to do that so i've been playing with now on tap um you know with the nexus 6p and it doesn't always work the way I would like it to. But some neat features is like I did a now on tap on an email. Um, and I and it was like a, an event. And then there was also a reminder of something that I had to do prior to the event. I had to submit some forms. And so I was checking my email, my phone, and I uh, touched down on the now on tap. And it, you know, started reading kind of all that information. And it, it gave me the option of like, adding the event or setting a reminder to remind you to complete the forms. Or I forget what the, like, the last option was. And I was thinking like, that is so neat. All I did was press down on the screen 
And, you know, Google like took all that information and compiled it into some actionable items that I could do that saves me time. Um, I, so there yeah, is <laughs> there is one other interesting thing that comes up when people discuss this. You've got um, a few people out there, I guess, who are, you know, sort of fairly smart people say that, um, you know, we have to be careful how far we go with artificial and uh you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning because one day the machines might know too much and they might decide that you are no longer required. Do you, I mean, do you think there's any possibility of, you know, we, we have to sort of be scared of that that kind of stuff or is it still, you know, many years off? I had a coworker that uh, believed that very much. Um, and so I... I'm not the, I guess I'm not the right person to um, answer that question, but I know that some people are wholeheartedly believe that and they are pretty passionate about it. Well, Stephen Hawking gets <laughs> gets you know, gets a little bit annoyed by that. That's rise of the machines. Okay, that's an interesting thing to think about. I think Elon Musk is is in that camp as well. Okay, but you know, <laughs> smartest man in the world, richest man in the world. Come on, <laughs> what what what's you know. <laughs> Let, 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 each, let either of them beat me at risk. Actually, both of them can because I've never played risk. But you know what I'm talking about. There must be something I'm better at than either of those people. Um, yeah, it's – I think it's going to – well, it, it depends on implementation. And the, the cool thing is that people are not going to sign up for anything they're not comfortable with. Uh, it's going to take a while for driverless cars uh, to really take hold. And before they really do – the first features that really take off are going to be not jump in a car and let it drive you someplace, but jump in a car. And when, gosh, it's really foggy outside, I don't really think it's, I, I would much rather have this car do the lane changes for me and merge into traffic for me uh, and just press a button and you're still driving, but it's handling the, the, the tough stuff for you. We're seeing that again with the, with the inbox feature. I don't, you, you certainly wouldn't want to trust a machine to, reply to your emails for you. But if it can save you time by laying a few options in front of you, that's great. That's like the predictive text on a keyboard taken to the next level. We, we think about uh, if you are a super-powered executive with assistants, you really the, the best use of those assistants isn't telling them what to do. It's an assistant coming to you saying, I think that we need to do this, or I think that you need to do that. Would you like me to do that? And then saying, okay, good. Sounds good. Go ahead. Yeah, like you, you still want to be in control, but you don't want the you know the minute details of everything. You, if if something can think you know a little bit uh, like you do, then it, it can certainly save you time, which I I think is is like you say, Andy. That's the start of it, and then who knows? Maybe you know five years from now it saves you a bit more time. Maybe ten years from now it saves you even more time. Maybe twenty years from now you've got absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be like we'll be like the enormous adult babies in in Wally. <laughs> Sounds good. Being on a cruise yes. ship, beverages all the time. <laughs> that sounds okay. That's fine by me. Playing cool, cool jump, cool jumpsuits. I don't. I don't I'd, I'd like to have a cool jumpsuit. Like, I, I just really want one of those jumpsuits and the chair. So that chair that just takes you wherever you want to go. We can just sit down. We can live the dream. We can be heroes just for one day, Russell. You see, it's it, one one thing though. Reading uh, reading more about uh, uh, now, now there are a lot more articles coming out about. Uh, the genesis of these projects. One thing that kind of stuck out to me was that a recurring discussion in this show is how things that would be sound like awesome ideas if it came from any other company but Google or Facebook are really, really scary if they're being done by Google and Facebook. <laughs> and you talk about uh, you're talking about the need of these uh, these uh, uh, deep data analysis products to look at lots and lots and lots of data to learn uh, about how to help you. 
And the interesting thing is that they have to write uh, inside Google, they have to write these things so that the uh, the algorithms can see the data, but the, the humans can never see the data or the people who are writing this stuff can never see it. And I'd love to... Uh, I'd, I'd I'd love to like get uh, get one of these developers uh, in house and uh, you know and, and and talk to them about uh, uh, talk to them about how they how that makes their job harder because obviously we're we're talking about huge amounts of data it's not like they're gonna have they're gonna be able to look at everything this algorithm is seeing but at some point it must be a positive experience for them to look at the input of this and see what kind of output it generated i don't know how they manage that yeah no that you get that in a lot of companies like i've worked for some bigger places where you have access to you know data that's not just classified but data that's really really you know has a lot of privacy around it and often a lot of companies will put in a lot of safeguards. Like the, the code that you run actually has access to every single bit of data on a system. But the person themselves, when they're logging in you know, through an administration area or into a database, you only see very small portions you know, of things. And everything you do tends to be logged as well. So if I go and pull up your record, Andy, and do something in there, well, there's a log of that. You know, Russell accessed Andy's record at this time for, for this purpose. So there's, there's a whole bunch of safeguards around people. But you're right, when it comes to actually deploying you know algorithms and things into this this kind of data center you can you can have free reign over the whole thing and that's i think the other interesting place that's currently happening is um in the bioinformatics field you've got people who you can now sequence you know the human genome fairly cheaply you can get that on a usb stick and they go here you go here's your genome you know thanks for your ten thousand dollars or whatever (laughs) but there's no nothing to do with that you're like okay now i have my genome on a usb stick that's that's great (laughs) and you wonder how far off that is but until that ends up in some kind of data center and suddenly you've got a whole lot of like ethical implications like now that we have you know a hundred thousand genomes should we start looking for different diseases you know do we tell russell if he's got a heart condition do we tell that to his insurance company you know do we end up in a um I don't know if you've seen the film Gattaca, but in, in that sort of world yeah. where your, your genetics determines your, you know, your future employment, there's a lot of sort of hairy issues when it comes to algorithms looking over you know, large data structures. Because if you have, in theory, if you have enough data, then you can find out things about an individual that you wouldn't you know, really know otherwise. That causes problems too. Uh, there was a very, uh, very short vogue to have these full body medical scanners uh, and they weren't like being bought by hospitals. They were being bought by, you know, like strip mall sort of medical <laughs> facilities that would uh, full body imaging scanners. And then you'd have a consultation with some sort of a medical professional who would then go through things it found. It, it, it's not it's not something that your doctor would tell you, send you to this place. It was that you would think, hey, I would love to have like my entire body scanned to look for problems. And uh, there was as that would sound like a great diagnostic tool, but then you talk to people who are actually in the medical profession and they're saying it's it's disaster because number one, you want to minimize the amount of exposure that people get uh, to this sort of uh, these sort of frequencies, and so you only want to do it when you suspect when there's something to find. But also, people don't understand that the human body is not like a Toyota Corolla. It's not like every <laughs> single one. It's not as reliable for one. Well, it, it looks just about as shabby when you get as one as old as me too. Um, but it's it's like you have to point out to them that okay, uh, normally uh, this artery feeds into the human heart around here and then goes there. Yours kinks here and then goes in there. 
and that is simply a variation. We don't see it a lot, but we do see it. Or when there's like a bump or a thickening somewhere that could just be one of these harmless things that is not any precursor to any problem or any sign of any sort of disease. If you're a doctor, though, you're obligated then to follow up on stuff. This is why they don't necessarily, when you even if you have great insurance, they don't necessarily throw every single blood test at you because if they find something that is out of the out of the bell curve, they have to follow up on it. Even if they say he's he's not, he or she is not feeling sick, he has no symptoms of any kind. Here is a level that is maybe not great, but it, it it's. I think that when we have access to all this data, we're going to have to start being a lot more savvy about the tools we use to analyze this data. And if we get to the point where we don't understand, the, the machines taught themselves, we didn't teach them, we don't know why it's flagging a certain email for us. Uh, and if that means that suddenly certain certain customer service emails, for instance, to point out a benign example, certain customer service emails are being ignored, other customer service emails are being flagged for high level, make sure that Tim Cook sees this and this in the CEO's office and not knowing if it's actually doing that correctly, that could cause all kinds of problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um the last bit of breaking news that we have, something that just literally launched only hours before we recorded this show, is that um I was sitting in a in a WWDC session, that's Apple's worldwide developer conference, uh, where they unveiled Apple Music. And they said, hey, coming to January. And I think the, the date back then was, I want to say September. Late September, it's coming. Sorry, I said to January. I meant to Android. It's coming to Android in late September. And then September rolled around and there was, there was no Apple Music. And then, you know, October <laughs> rolled around and there was, there was no Apple Music. But today, there is Apple Music on my Android phone. With a beautiful the, icon. It's a very nice icon, actually. And it's round. I'm, I'm impressed that Apple actually embraced that um, side of Android. Because on Android, you can have an icon any shape you want. On iOS, they're all rounded rectangles. I, I'm impressed. And I'm impressed by parts of this app as well. You know, they have they've done a reasonably good job. And I know it's probably the people that worked on um, Beats Music. But this is, I, I know some people say Apple made the, you know, move to Android app and that was their first app. That turns out to be an app they just bought from some company and rebranded. This is the full, uh, the first honest-to-goodness app that they've built for Android. And I think that's interesting. We're here in 2015 and Apple has finally built an app for Android and it's, it's quite nice. <laughs> have, have either of you tried it? Yeah, so as soon as I found out that they had released it, because um, actually like two days ago before this, uh, I was like, is Apple Music out yet for Android? And I kind of made a joke and, hey, they listened to me, so you can thank, all thank me later. Um, but I I downloaded it and I wanted to try it out. And I have to remember, it technically still has the beta title next to it. Um, so it's not working perfectly, but I tried to set it up and... I was getting an error. Like I was signing up. They're like, okay, you know, start your three month trial. And I go, okay, get started. And then it was like, all right, insert your password. And, you know, I set up my email and password. And then all I got was like the loading, the loading screen. It was just waiting and waiting. And I tried that several times and it would not go through for my Android phone. So I finally had to go into iTunes on my Mac and then uh, set up my trial version and then, you know, open it up on my Android phone. So it was, I wasn't able to sign up for the trial version on my Android phone. But once I got that figured out on iTunes uh, for the desktop, I was able to check it out. And you know what? The apps, I don't, I don't hate it. It's not <laughs> terrible. It's actually uh, pretty fast and pretty slick. 
<laughs> I think we we always have to say that. I'm like, it's not, it's actually not terrible. And um, a lot of people were surprised, but it actually started playing music that I enjoyed, um, where some people were joking, saying, look, I've had uh, Apple Music on my iPhone, and it's still for like a couple of months now, and it's still not playing music that I like. And I said, maybe I'm just uh, unoriginal and predictable. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> I think the other interesting thing is a lot of people were wondering, you know, generally when Google uh, brings an app to iOS, they do get some friction because they, you know, the material design, the whole thing, that's that's the Google brand. And there was a lot of questions as to what is Apple going to do when they bring their first um, app to Android? You know, are they going to iOS 7 it or are they going to stick to material design? And for the most part, they've actually gone quite material. Like you've got a, uh, a slide out, I forget what that thing's called, a navigation drawer, I think, on the left. You've got some very Android-looking icons. They even have... I mean, of course, it's Apple, so they've they've modified a little bit, but they even have the Android Share icon, which is that I don't know if you um, if you get to interact with a lot of designers at your job, Yasmin, but that has been that has been a source of contention for years now. Designers are like, you must use the the, the box with the arrow coming out of it, which is Apple's icon, and Google's like, no, you must use the two lines diverging because that's the international Share icon, and there was almost wars, you know, fought over that fact, and I'm I'm really happy to see that in this case, Apple actually adopted the the standard share icon on Android. You know, they, they put their own little flourish on it, but it is, you know, it definitely is that, that icon. Yeah, and they're still using a lot of uh, uh, iOS uh, icons or similar like to the heart. It's uh, They're using the really thin gray heart you know, and so they're still using a lot of those elements, but it doesn't look completely foreign. Like it doesn't look like, why is this on my Android phone? This is an iOS app. Um, and I was able to navigate through it and didn't have a whole lot of issues. So um, I've only had it, you know, like an hour or so. So I can't say much to that. But so far, I haven't wanted to throw my phone against the wall, which I guess is saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised. I've, I've been using Apple Music since the launch. And they like the content area, it's a very, very familiar experience. So if you've been using it on one platform, you'll find it easy to use it on the other. Um, I was looking forward to hearing what you had to say, Russell, about your take on their version of the interface. Because, yeah, I, I don't know whether I was hopeful or worried about what they would do if they were to say, well, what, why don't we try to bring, what, what if we were to port over some of our UI to uh to google because maybe we're uh, to android because maybe we're going to be making more apps in the future let's see if we can create sort of an apple ui zone inside all of the apps that we ship for this and it certainly is a lot cleaner than i expect to see from an android app but not in a bad way it looks it looks very very standard android but my first impression was it looks like a much much cleaner version of google music yeah yeah there definitely is a resemblance they're right down to the way they do the the mini player and the way it drags up and down and fades in um and I think the other thing is I haven't I haven't plugged this thing into there's a thing on Android called the view debugger where you can actually see exactly how things are, are built. That's a top tip for any developers out there. You plug in your phone, there's a mm. there's a little command line thing you can run and you can actually see like how an entire user interface is built. But it feels feels very standard. Like I know what you mean, Apple have from time to time when they've gone to other platforms like Windows, actually tried to port yeah. their entire user interface set of libraries to Windows so they could still write, you know, very similar looking code. But this to me feels like that they've actually used the standard um, Android libraries. Like they, they've written their, their own custom stuff as well, but they haven't tried to bring, as far as I can see, UIKit, which is their user um, interface sort of development stuff, to Android. And I think that's a really positive thing. Like I think a lot of users would, would look at that if that was the case and be like, oh, this app feels foreign. Like it doesn't look like my other apps. It doesn't 
um, behave like my other apps. There's a few few weird things. I mean, the other thing to note is this is a beta, so they've put the the label be- beta on it, so it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not finished. <laughs> If you if it's if you run into an issue, please remember if it's it's beta. But if you like it, yeah, which is a very Google did. thing to do, ironically. Like Google used to love to put that beta tag. I think it was on Gmail for like ten years or something. But there's there's a few weird things. Like um, there is a material design animation when you go from the player page to to the list is of that things. T- I saw that. That, that was Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Yes, I've been outed. You're Taylor but, um, there's no, then there's nowhere to go back. You literally have to press outed the, as a person of good taste. Yeah. And and I know the cool kids call it Tay Tay, so I do as well. I'm in the club. Tay Tay. <laughs> the yeah, the mini player behaves a lot like the Play Music, the the Google's uh, version of this. And I think though they so Apple Music made their mini player like go up and down like just milliseconds faster. And I think that's why the elf, the app felt so fast to me. I was like, ooh, like that's moving up pretty quick. But it's the exact same uh, way that it's handled on Google Play Music. So, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm keen to play with it a bit more. But so far, this this feels like a very Android app. And that makes me think that uh, probably, like I said, the, the Beats Music team, they must have kept some of those people around and they must still be working on it. I, I can't help but wonder if maybe this particular app is designed explicitly for me. And it's because there's so many music services out there. Google has its own music service. If you are an Apple Music subscriber, you probably already have an iPad or a Mac. And so I'm wondering if it's like almost exclusively an outreach program that uh, because who else would would want to use Apple Music on on an Android device? Again, if you, if if you already if if you're already interested in music, you probably either already are committed to Spotify or Google Music. Uh, and I don't. Th- think that the 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 core music service isn't quite excellent yet i mean not so good you'd switch from something else i think that pretty much what it's for is so that people can get access to the beats one radio stations uh and so get access to streaming that way uh and always as always if there's a way to capture someone uh someone's uh, music purchases and this one one thing that uh, apple music does extremely well is being able to save, capture stuff to your music library, whether you're buying it outright or justifying uh, this stuff to uh, pay for your uh, your your monthly subscription, it's it's interesting. Uh, Apple rarely breaks out uh, their user data because it's competitive information, but I I would really love to see what the uptake is for this uh, for Android users versus uh, versus iOS users. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they they will ever break that out. That'd be really interesting because one thing i thought is yeah. if if you're making a, a music service and you want it to be used by everyone you, ha- you have to be on android you no longer have a choice in 2015 yeah. that's international it, it might even be part of the agreements that they have with the with a record label saying that you can't be an apple only service you have to make sure that if there's more than 18 users of a certain <laughs> platform with a pulse you have to provide a music player for and them. i think the other interesting thing is um they're also doing the three month trial thing that they did on ios so i was wondering whether that was going to be an iOS only thing, but no. If you sign up today, you get a three month trial, and they—I'm not sure if they're doing this in the US, but in Australia at least, they're pushing um, twelve months free with some of our carriers. So if you go into a carrier store like Telstra, and you you grab a new phone, they're like, "Hey, do you want twelve months free um, Apple Music?" Which is yeah, that's interesting too. That, that's one hundred and twenty dollars there if you're paying. That's cool. Is that for new subscribers? No, I don't. I don't think it's. I th- think. I think you have to take out a new plan, but I don't think you have to become a new subscriber, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. So like I have the 90 days Google Play Music uh, that I bought with 
when I bought, I came with my Nexus 6P. Um, but I guess you have to be a new subscriber to take in that deal. So that kind of sucks. But um, yeah, so I, I'm assuming that the three month trial for Apple uh, Music is for new subscribers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that one definitely is. So if you sign up, so confirming. I had an existing Apple Music account, you don't get okay. three months extra. But if you sign up with a different Apple ID, uh, then you do. But you had to use the Apple ID you were using so you can get your Taylor Swift to uh, show <laughs> uh, You did not want to see the rest of my uh, music library. Um, Taylor Swift, Britney Spears, <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. See, that's, I, these, are, <laughs> these are all good things. This is all good music. I hope there's a little bit of sympathy for those of us who have to review this kind of software. Every time I have to make a screenshot of any sort of a music player app, I have to make sure, okay, what, 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 what are the, which of these albums and songs am I going to get no end of crap for if people see that I actually have one of these? <laughs> Do I have to say, look, I was going through a very, very bad breakup in 2003. Yes, I bought that song and I played it three or four days in a row. It really helped me through and I've never listened to it yet since <laughs> i'm i'm glad that you've either never fallen in love or never had your heart breaking broken in both cases it means that you've never really lived i'm sorry for being okay human. with celine dion okay i did buy a celine dion song oh you're not alone there either andy okay well it's probably uh probably good enough for for one show for today um but as long as i've got you here russell Okay, like what? What? What time is it in Australia right currently now? Currently ten thirty-eight a.m. and it's Wednesday okay. the eleventh. So it is Wednesday, because um, I will have to. Apple has not said has said that the iPad Pro is going on sale on Wednesday, but not what time. So I don't know whether it's twelve oh one a.m. here or six. It is Wednesday in Australia. Are they available for sale in Australia? Since it is Wednesday, technically, we're on the Apple Store. All right, I'm on the Apple Store right now. Completely familiar, entirely revolutionary iPad. I'm wondering is we, we enough enough of your your people come over here to get stuff that isn't available in your country. If you could, if you could like, if you got like, just give me like part of your floor in your office. If I could fly out right now, yeah. See, this is interesting. So normally, what what will happen is um, people fly to Australia or New Zealand first because we we get all of the Apple stuff first because they do a worldwide <laughs> launch on a particular day, and then that day rolls out to you know eventually gets to the past out to your backwards country out there, but. The iPad Pro is not on sale. It just says available November. So I'm not sure if it's going to be... Sometimes they do a midday thing. It could be midday. Sometimes it's 5 p.m. They have really weird times for their pre-orders. So 5 p.m. is a common one. Um, I've seen midday. So I reckon, Andy, in about seven hours' time, this will be up up for order here. So if you want one, just let me know. I'll get some koalas to a courier. (laughs) you. I guess I'll just have to. Like, I don't. I don't know if it's uh, if it's worth the the cost of shipping <laughs> from Australia to the U.S. Oh no, 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 you don't understand. The other way, the koalas are free, <laughs> so they have we we have to get them to the U.S. That part's free. Them coming back from the U.S. Oh, that's really okay, expensive. good, good, good. Why your country is trying that's to get rid really of koalas? That's a really expensive part. <laughs> is there something that the, the the PR pack for koalas is not included in there? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> are they venomous? Oh, maybe. Do they? Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're fluffy. Their faces peel back and they they're claws. have like evil clown faces and they're not quite so adorable. They're adorable, Andy. They're fluffy and the giant claws and the smell and all the other things. They're just rumors. I don't, I don't know where people get this from. They're just, they're just like, imagine you go to the store and you buy like a fluffy, um, you know, little little bear. That's just what a koala is. It's just a grown up version of that. You know, you said that before, I said that before with those really colorful snakes you sent over. <laughs> and the spiders. The, I, I keep telling people the ones with the red marks on their back are the friendly ones. 
Red means friendly. That's a mnemonic <laughs> device, kids. That's right. Was, is it is it is it true that there there was a well well we we should end the show, but it, was it was it true that there was a uh, uh, some sort of kids show that's a British kids show that was trying to teach kids like to be not afraid of things, and there was a different topic for each one. And in Britain, there was one of these episodes where hello, I'm Doris the spider, and I'm really you don't need to kill me because I take care of insects, and I'm really quite friendly. And oh, that's right, we shouldn't be afraid of spiders. And they decided. Oh, we 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 we're, we're selling these shows to Australia. They absolutely <laughs> cannot show that episode in Australia. Yeah, no, that actually happened. So that's a show called Peppa Pig. It's um, it's huge yeah. among the the young audience. It comes from England, and they actually banned that show here in Australia. The regulator took one look at it, and they're like, "No, <laughs> if you teach our kids to play with spiders, like the bad oh, things are going to happen." <laughs> it would be hysterically yeah. funny, but the wrong kind of funny. <laughs> In fact, just oh as I was talking God. to Yasmin about how, you know, the, the Australia is it's overhyped, it's not as dangerous as it is, literally uh, two minutes later my neighbour got bitten by a spider and got rushed to hospital. So <laughs> I'm not even making that up. That That, well, that is a true so story. Is, is, are they okay? Yeah, they're fine. But okay. it's one of those things where we have all the antivenoms. As long as you know what bit you and you can get to a hospital in time, you're doing all right. If you're out in the desert, though, not not so lucky. Well, there 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 are those of us in the United Ooh. States who live in earthquake zones. I guess I'll stay here in Arizona with our scorpions. Sorry, I just heard scorpion earthquake and now I'm scared. Scorpion well, earthquake. Here, here in here in the Boston area, we we do have some people who vote independent just to like get a rise out of the rest of the political machine. That's the close we have to dangerous creatures that can impact our lives. <laughs> Well, we have scorpions here and, uh, you know, I've lived in Arizona all my life and I've never encountered one and I hope it stays that way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, they are here and they're already like, they're all over people's houses. I just personally never encountered one, which is great. And we had like our first earthquake. I'm sure it's not our first earthquake ever, but we had one in the middle of the night, um, in a couple, like a city for, close to Phoenix. And I, we felt the aftershock and, uh, we, you know, being in Arizona who don't get to experience earthquakes very much, uh, didn't know what was going on. And so my husband thought I was like shaking the bed. <laughs> He's like, were you shaking the bed? And I was like, no. And so we've, we did some, I used my Twitter investigative skills and I was like, it was an earthquake. <laughs> so there we go. We all have our own things to be uh, afraid of. Andy, where can people find you and um, stay connected with what you're up to? As always, the best single place to go is my Twitter account. I'm Anatko, at Anatko, uh, I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T-K-O. So you can spell it exactly the same way in your web browser and be connected to my blog, which I'm updating more frequently now that I actually have a tool that makes it not dreary and horrible to have to update my blog. Uh, And I'll have links to my stuff on the Chicago Sun-Times and elsewhere from there. And Russell, where can people find you? Uh, same place on Twitter, but different account, Rusty Shelf. And I just realized, you know, Rusty is a kind of red and Shelf is where the spiders live. So maybe maybe that's just another spider reference. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Yasmin Evian on Twitter. And you can find us at, at Material Podcast on Twitter. And you could email us um, feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on the interwebs at relay.fm forward slash material. Until next time, stay in material. And if you're part of the advertising board for uh, Australia Tourism, we can knock off all of these poisonous, <laughs> venomous creatures jokes. Just one simple six-month <laughs> ad buy. 
we have a few slots oh, available. I tell you what, the tourism board here spend, spends a lot of money. If we could, if we could figure out how to get uh, in touch with them, hushing up all the debts. <laughs> sharks? What sharks? They're friendly. Take it easy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Brought to you by the Australian Tourism Board. We have anti venoms for almost everything. <laughs> Hey, Andy, your heart will go on. Indeed. Or my art will go on. <laughs> and on and on. <laughs>